0: I want you to get your Bible. We're going to be looking here in just a minute together. We're going to be looking at 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. I appreciate, just want to say, I appreciate that word that was given a few minutes ago, the end of the worship time. Some of you said, what was that? That was a scriptural word from the Lord. As you know, if you studied Acts and Corinthians, that, that there are gifts of the Spirit and, uh, Paul gives us direction in that he says, you know, when you get together, there doesn't need to be any more than two or three messages in tongues, interpretation, and he said also if someone has a word, they could give that word, but he said no more than no more than two as far as, as actually giving a word of exhortation, and that's what I would call what happened there a minute ago uh, was a word from the Lord, which is amazing because it was a word of encouragement. And it's right in line with where we're going with this message today. I think that uh, that God wanted to in, to encourage some folks before we got to where we're going. You say, "Why are you going to discourage them?" <laughs> well, I'm not going to try to, but uh, but there are but but we are going to we're going to dig down today because we always do. Um, you are here today because you want to get better. If you didn't want to get better, you'd find a place that you could go and be a lot more comfortable. I know that there are more comfortable places. In Northwest Arkansas for church folks to sit on Sundays than in our room now I'm not talking about the seats We got pretty comfortable chairs. I like these chairs, but I'm talking about there are places you can go uh, Where that where it might not be as um, where your toes might not hurt as bad as you leave, but uh my whole my whole reason I think for existence and my whole makeup, personality, and hardwiring, and everything that is about me, has always been about getting better, and other people around me getting better too. And I, and if we're gonna, uh, if we're going to to get to heaven, then we need to get better. And I don't want anybody not to get to heaven. Somebody say Amen. And so today is one of those messages that I hope, uh, as it is recorded, that it finds its way. Uh, into the hearts and lives of people that are not here today, but all over the place. I, I think it's one of those kind of messages that people need to hear. But uh, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what is in your heart. What is in your heart? You know, there's a fellow named Joe Stowell, and he he wrote this. He said, heart is used in Scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. Think about that. He said it's the part of our being where we desire, deliberate, and decide. It's been described as the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity. It's the comprehensive term for a person as a whole. When we talk about his feelings, desires, passion, thought, understanding, and will. The heart is the center of a person. The heart is the place to which God turns. Now, having said that, let me ask the question again. What is in your heart? What is in your heart? Is your heart filled with, with selfless motives and desires? Or is it filled with selfish motives and desires? Because regardless of whether we know or not, God knows. Even if, even if you don't fully know what's in your heart, God knows your heart better than even you know it. He knows Why you do what you do. Think about it for a minute. Think about that. Let's establish that. Why do you do what you do? Why do you think what you think? Why do you spend where you spend? It's all about the condition of your heart. The scripture says where your heart is, there is where your treasure will be. Some people, their heart, if their heart is filled with selfish things, then they are amassing all of these things in this in this life, things that they would call trophies and things that they're trying to lay up. But the problem is they're not going to be able to take any of that with them. But the person who has that selfless heart, that heart that is after God, they are laying up treasures in heaven where the moth and the rust cannot corrupt or destroy. Those are things that are going to be rewarded one of these days. And so, I ask you again to think about for a moment, what is in your heart? You know, I heard a story about a little boy that decided to go get his mama a birthday present. And so, he was trying to think of something that she really needed, okay? Just a little fella. He walked into the store and he started looking at all the cookie jars because he thought surely his mama needed a new cookie jar, right? And so he began to look at the cookie jars, and the lady, she was kind enough to sit them up on the counter for him, and he would test each one. And he would open it, and then he would put the lid back down, and he went through all the cookie jars until finally he had went through every one of them, and she could see he was not yet satisfied. And she said, what's the problem? And he said, well, don't you have any of these that don't make noise when you close them? And, you know, there's a lot of people that are going through life trying to find a silent cookie jar when it comes to their relationship with God. Makes sense. huh? God, don't you have anything that I can use to hide some of this stuff from you? There's no such thing. Some of the people are constantly living their lives looking for silent cookie jar covers. What's in your heart? Now, the scripture tells us that David was known to be a man after God's God's heart. And whenever I I penned that statement, David was a man after God's heart, right after that in my notes, I wrote, am I? I wrote, are you? I want to think about that. I mean, I really want to think about that. I I really believe that everything hinges on that question. I'm not, boy, I'm so thankful. I'm not going to be judged one of these days for my actions. Although my actions better line up, but I'm not going to be completely judged for my actions even everything I thought, because I constantly think things I shouldn't and continuously have to try to crucify the flesh and keep those things under the blood, don't you? I'm constantly having to look at those motives, but I think and I pray and I fall upon the grace and the knowledge of hoping and believing that someday I am going to be judged per the condition of my heart. Not not going to be so much When we talk about judged, I'm going to be held accountable for what I knew, for what I did. I'm going to be held accountable for all those things. But when it comes to determining where I'm going to spend eternity, God is going to judge me on the condition of my heart. A lot of people can pray prayers and somebody says, all you got to do to go to heaven is pray this prayer. And a lot of people have prayed that prayer that aren't going to heaven. Because they prayed a prayer and they didn't mean it, but they prayed it, hoping it would get them into heaven. So they just prayed this prayer. That's not going to do it because God knows the condition of your heart. What's in your heart? I'm going to tell you the truth. I think that there are people that that were, were perhaps you know uh, having struggles mentally or or uh, physically that that died in situations that if they were held accountable to actions, they'd be in a lot of trouble. Hey, you could talk about degree of sin all you want, but I'm telling you, if you're going to say a person that dies in sins going straight to hell, then that goes all the way across the board. That means a guy that's out here on the highway listening to Christian music going 71 miles an hour and hits something and dies is going to hell. Because he was sinning when he died. Wait a minute, let's talk about what was the condition of his heart. Maybe he was worshiping the Lord and he just wasn't thinking about it and he made a mistake. Let's think about that for a minute. I I, I choose to believe that this God who calls me his son and loves me so much that he gave his own son to save me. Is gonna look into the facts before he hastily says, Well he's my kid, but he sinned, so throw him into hell. He was in the midst of a sin, so throw him into hell. Hang on a minute. Sometimes the condition of my heart is better than the condition of my mind. There's never been a time in my life that I can remember that my heart didn't cry out for God even in the midst of sin. I can remember when I was a young man laying in bed at night and saying, Oh God, I sinned again and I'm probably going to do it tomorrow but I don't know how to quit and I love you and I'm sorry. I just don't know what to do. I don't want to be like this. I can't ever remember a time that I didn't love him and then to be encouraged to know that he loved me more than I ever loved him. I'm so thankful that my own dad my own mom didn't just discard me with all of my transgressions cuz i would have been discarded a long time ago wouldn't you there's something powerful about this grace it doesn't give us license to sin but this grace is so powerful it doesn't just save grace is powerful enough to keep grace protects and convicts grace is so strong the the motivation of it is love i mean deep-seated unconditional love and i'm so thankful for that david was known to be a man after god's heart his desire was that his son solomon would have the same kind of heart that he had and he said in first kings chapter four you don't have to look there but i'll read it to you 1 Kings 4.29 said, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much. And I love this. And largeness of heart. Even as the sand that is on the seashore. You ever tried to count sand? Even just the handful that you picked up as it was falling through your fingers? Just that amount you can't count. But God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding and largeness of heart to that extent. Because he deserved it? No. Because he asked for it. This this largeness of heart that we're talking about here is the great capacity to feel, to know, and to understand. What's in your heart? What do you feel? What do you know? What do you understand? What do you care to feel, know, and understand? And I'm convinced that God always answers the prayers of people when they pray to be more like Jesus. So I again fall back on that statement that I rest in grace only because of my hope and its power to keep me. And I realize... That as much as I hate sin, that I'm probably going to keep on somehow in one way or another sinning until he comes and takes me home. I'm not ever going to be okay with that. I'm not ever going to come to terms with that. I'm not ever going to get comfortable with that. I'm not ever going to be the person that says, well, this is just how I am. I do this. I'm just going to have to accept it. No. Grace says I don't have to accept it, that there is such a thing as ability to live in victory. To be an overcomer. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and overcome this thing. But I'm telling you that when I overcome this thing, then there'll be something else to overcome. And then there'll be something else to overcome. I think there's a couple things in my life where I really need a lot of help. You know why I think that way? Because until I deal with those couple of things, I won't know about the plethora of the others. So the Holy Spirit's working on a couple of things in me, and, he, and then I'm thinking, man, if I get there, I'll be perfect. And he said, no, you won't. If you get there, then we got a whole list of things that we're going to start on, but we're not going to bring them up just yet, because you're not ready. For all you self-righteous folks and folks that thinks you're just almost that, you're almost Enoch. You're not You're going to sin until you get a glorified body. That's what's going to happen. But you're going to pray and you're going to attempt to crucify your flesh. And you're going to attempt to be more like Jesus every day. And it's going to be your highest motive is to is to make Jesus proud. And I I, I pray every day, God, don't let me bring disgrace to your kingdom. But the question is your motive for the sin. What's in your heart? Now, we have a, a letter called the Bible, and it spells out what is sin. I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to speculate. Your heart will convict you of things that are wrong to begin with, but there are some things that are specifically laid out that are sin. They're laid out there, and there could be a whole lot more added to that list except God knew that this was enough to get our attention. It was enough for, so he listed some things for us. Some people call them ten commandments, but there's actually hundreds of commandments. But there's ten of them that got written on a, on a slab. And when you begin to study those, you realize then later on why Jesus would make the statement that he made later on in the New Testament whenever he said, you know, if a person would love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love their neighbors as self, they could throw them other ones away. But they don't, so they can't. So they mustn't. But if they could, they would. Because every one of those commandments have to do with people either treating themselves or someone else wrong. And any harm that you do to yourself or to someone else is a sin because your body has been paid for. If you've given your heart to Christ, then you've been redeemed and He owns you. So if you choose to do things that harm your temple, then that is sin. So these lists are not legalistic. They're just logical. They're there to protect you from getting in trouble. They're there because if you do these things, you're not going to have a fun life. So there's laws that are laid out. They're spelled out for you. Thou shalt not kill. Well, that's logical. If you kill somebody, then that's not good. You've harmed that temple that the Holy Spirit's trying to live in. Thou shalt not steal. You're not going to take something from somebody else because that hurts them. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't be lying about somebody getting them in trouble. It hurts them. Don't covet. Don't be trying to want something somebody else has got. They worked hard for that. You work and you'll have your own someday. Don't covet what somebody else has got. But there's more, folks. There's more. Don't have any idols. You say, well, that one doesn't fit. Sure it does. God says, I'm not going to allow any other idols. I'm not going to compete with any other idols. Why would God say that? Because he's a jealous God and he's mean and he's angry. No, he is jealous because he's jealous over your soul because he loves you so much. He says, I can't allow you to have any other idols because there are no such thing as any other gods. And anything you put before me is going to hurt you. And I can't have you hurt because you belong to me. So you can't have idols. Idols will hurt you. And they will damage your relationship between you and God. So all of you that have little idols in your house. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about very few of us have little idols in our house anymore. But a lot of us have got things that we place above our relationship with God. And those are idols. So there's a list. Steal, cheat, lie, covet, kill, have idols be under the influence of, of alcohol or drugs. That's a sin. Did you know that? It's a sin. Why? Because you're damaging the temple of the Holy Spirit. You say, I'm not hurting anyone by drinking. I'm not hurting anybody by, by smoking a little weed. I'm not hurting anybody by taking some over-the-counter medication that, that I'm not supposed to take just because I like the way it feels. Let me tell you something. You're hurting somebody. You're hurting yourself. It's sin. sin. It's sin to slander. It's sin to gossip. Isn't it? Why? Because it hurts somebody. It's sin to overeat somebody say amen. Why? Because it hurts somebody. It hurts you. The more you overeat, when you don't have that thyroid problem you've been telling folk about, Makes it harder on your organs to function, harder on your joints, harder on your body. Some people aren't going to live as long as they're supposed to live and they're going to stand before God. And are they going to go to heaven or hell? Depends on the condition of their heart, but it won't because they're fat. But God will say, hey, if you'd have done right, I had something laid out for you. It was going to happen five years later, but you ate yourself to death. Hey, let's get real today, huh? Can we? Can we? We're going to talk about folks drinking. Let's talk about folks eating. What do you say? Hey, now don't, don't get mad at me because there's a lot of us, a lot of folks in this room that committed this next sin. But I'm going to tell you something. It's still a sin. Nobody talks about it much anymore. But it's still a sin according to the word of God because it hurts somebody. Do not be having sexual relations with anyone outside of marriage. Why not? Not hurting each other. We're consenting adults. We like each other. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The relationship that God has for a man and a woman symbolizes the one between Christ and the bride. Is to be a pure and a holy thing. I'm not hurting that person. We're in love. Yes, you are. You're hurting that person. You're disrespecting that person. No, I'm not. We're going to get married. Then get married. And if you don't have any intention of getting married and you're doing something like that, then you're really in sin. Anything that you do to yourself or to someone else that causes harm is sin because the bodies belong to God and he's dwelling in those bodies. That's why it's so important that you keep your house clean. And the way you do that is by keeping your heart right. And Solomon understood this necessity. Look at this passage with me. This text is 2 Chronicles 6.29. And he says right here, he's praying a prayer. Check this out. Please listen. He's talking to God. Please listen when anyone in Israel truly feels sorry and sincerely prays with arms lifted toward the temple. You know what is in everyone's heart. There it is. So from your home in heaven, answer their prayers according to what they do and what is in their hearts. Are your prayers not getting answered? What's in your heart? Let me remind you of the context in which these words were spoken. This was the day that Solomon was dedicating the new temple. David wanted to build a temple. God wouldn't let him. God said, "You, you gather up the stuff. Solomon will build it. So Solomon built the temple. It took place over many years. But this is an awesome day in Israel's history. The new temple has been built on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem where it's still supposed to be today but instead it's covered by the temple mount but someday it's going to be back where it belongs. But this was a glorious day in Israel's history. The day that the temple was being dedicated. Thousands of sacrifices were being offered. There's great joy among the people because they were being led by a godly king. And in the presence of everybody, Solomon climbs up on a platform. You read it for yourself. he, He has a platform built and he climbs up on top of it so that everybody there can see him. And guess what he does? He kneels down and begins to pray. Wouldn't you love to see that type of leadership at the highest levels today? How secure would that make us feel to see the top leaders of our nation climb up on platforms, bow down, throw their hands in the air, and cry out to Almighty God? And he prays the prayer that so many of you are familiar with. You know the part that, that's found in 2 Chronicles 7.14. And, and I'm going to read it to you, but you need to understand something about it. 7.14 is God's response To the prayer Solomon is praying on this platform. Okay. So Solomon prays a prayer in chapter 6. And God answers in chapter 7. And in that answer. God speaks back and says. If my people. Which are called by my name. Shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever heard that before? Let's talk about the context. Back in chapter 6, Solomon had listed various situations that he could foresee where the people might sin later on. It's, it's kind of it's humorous to read through it. It's almost as if as Solomon's praying, he starts remembering things, and he starts thinking, okay, these are people like me, and we mess up, and we're invoking God today, and we're asking Him to bless us. And so it's, as you read it, it's kind of funny, because he goes through, he goes through the like seven or eight times. Seven or eight times, Solomon says... Now, if they do this, but then they're sorry and they pray, would you forgive them? And then he thinks, and if they do this, he goes like seven or eight times because he knows how we are. It's not enough for him to say if they sin. He's like, well, if they do this, God, someday somebody might, which probably the very next day, someday somebody might do this. And if they do and they're really sorry, and then he goes, he does that seven or eight times. And he's always with the words, would you please hear from heaven and forgive them? God's reply is "Is that what I read. If my people, that was God's reply. Basically, what he's saying is yes, if. If they will truly repent and quit the sin, then I'm going to hear them and I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to heal them. But it's all conditional upon something. According to verse 29, that's our text there's three things they must do in order for this to happen. Number one, they must be truly sorry. Now that means something, guys. Because that means that all your prayers of repentance that you're not truly sorry for mean nothing. We're going to get better today, aren't we? Everybody everybody's still here? Still awake? Still love me? Still love me so far? We want to get better, don't we? So if you pray for forgiveness and you're not truly sorry, quit wasting your breath. There's a fellow named Josh Billings, and he made this statement. Listen to this. I thought this was really good. He said, it's much easier to repent of the sins that we've committed than to repent of those we intend to commit. Question is, now what's in your heart? Are you truly sorry for your sin? If so, then tell Jesus. Because grace will cover any sin, but it won't cover unrepented sin. Some people see that's the difference. That's the card they're trying to play. Well, grace says I'm forgiven. Grace says I'll be okay. I'm going to do whatever I want because grace... No, 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 no. Hang on a minute. Grace is stronger. It's more powerful than anything you can imagine. You can be forgiven for any sin, but not if you don't repent. Grace will not cover you. Grace will not help you on the day of judgment if there was not repentance in your heart. You'll stand before God and basically the scripture said that all the wood, hay and stubble will be burned away and you will stand naked in his presence spiritually and you'll have nothing to cover yourself with. You'll say, but I fell on grace. And he'll say, you don't have grace because you weren't sorry. You, don't, you weren't repenting. You were just trying to live as unto yourself. God can forgive you, but only for what you're truly sorry for. What's in your heart? Are you truly sorry? If so, then repent. But repent means to ask for forgiveness and quit doing it. That's what repentance is. Some people say, well, I'm going to come down here and ask God to forgive me for my sins. Well, go on and do that. Well, I'm truly sorry. Okay, great. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Nope. I can't help it. Well, I know you can't help it. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to need some help. There's some tools in place. You're going to need some help. I'm convinced, though, that whatever we want to call an addiction, the bottom line is everybody's got something that they could call an addiction. But the bottom line is that if you want to be free at some point, you just got to say, I'm not doing it no more. And God will give you all kinds of grace and help and strength to win. But you got to quit. Quit. We're going to get better today, huh? What's in your heart? Are you truly sorry? Number two, Solomon listened to the qualification, verse 29. He said, we got to be truly sorry. And then he said, if they will sincerely pray. That's it, number two. What's it mean? It means that you pray this prayer from your heart, not your head. How many prayers have we prayed over the years we knew how to pray it? man, I could drop down to my knees now, lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God bless Mom, Dad, Aunt Sally, Uncle Billy and uh, Janet and Diana, and Charlie and Agnes was our dogs i mean i, I could i could I could pray man i could I, I had it. Sometimes I felt like the little boy you heard about, he, he was so tired, he went into his room and he, the, wall, the prayer was right on the wall. He said, God, I've had a long day, I'm wore out, you know the prayer, read it for yourself, I'm going on to bed. <laughs> and God could do that with a lot of our prayers, because they're the same thing. They might, as well, they might as well be the incantations and chants of cults. Because it's the same rote, memorized, there's nothing, there's no substance to it. What is the prayer that God hears? The one that comes from the broken and the contrite heart. The one that humbly kneels down and talks to Him. You pray from the place that God knows best. Pray with honesty and humility and reverence. Tell God what you're doing. Tell Him that you really want your heart to be pure and right with Him. Tell Him that you're willing to die to the sin. There's power and grace to keep you. Say, but pastor, I may still fall at times. I promise you, you'll still fall at times. But you don't have to believe the lie of the devil that says you have to live in this sin. You can pray from a sincere heart and God will hear you. And then he asked one more thing, number three, verse 29. He said, if if they'll truly pray, if they'll truly repent, and if they will sincerely pray, and if they will turn to you with arms lifted toward heaven... What is that one? That means that you surrender yourself to him. That's what that meant. He said, if they will, if they will pray with their arms lifted to heaven. He was saying, when they, when they position themselves that way, they're throwing up their arms as, an, as someone who is surrendering to an enemy. They throw up their arms and that is the sign of unconditional surrender. Throwing down their weapons, throwing up their arms and saying, I surrender to you. This is your acknowledgement of your own inability to do right. When you say, God, I'm, I'm unable to be godly. I, I, I don't have it in me to be righteous. But Lord, I surrender to you without conditions, without conditions. Somebody needs to write that word down. Without conditions. I surrender to you without condition. How many of my prayers have been conditional? God, I'm going to serve you, but. Lord, if you'll get me out of this then. Huh? If you'll help me this time, I will. God is saying, where's the prayer that says, you're just going to surrender and love me and serve me because you love me. And because you want, we want us to be running together. And because you want to hear my voice. Where's that prayer? That's the heartfelt when That's the surrendered prayer. Not the one that says, if you'll get me out of this jam, then I'll do this. But this is the person that throws her arms up and says, I place myself at your mercy. I fall wholeheartedly on your grace. I'm dropping all my excuses and my pride and my self-justifications and all of my hurts at your feet. God, I'm broken and I'm contrite. You know, it was Solomon's daddy who wrote there in Psalm 51, 17. He told Solomon, the sacrifice that's pleasing to God is a broken spirit. Oh, God, you do not despise a broken and a sorrowful heart. That's got to be your verse when you pray. Surrender's got to be in your heart in order to receive God's promises. Because we got to understand something, folks, until we are truly sorry until we pray sincerely, until we surrender totally to God, you're just going to continue on in the same place of guilt and shame and powerlessness and defeat and nothing's going to change no matter how many times you come to church or go to Celebrate Recovery. It won't make a bit of difference until you get your heart right. Celebrate Recovery can help you if you'll get your heart right. But not until... Nothing is going to ease your struggle. Nothing's going to ease your sorrow until you get your heart right. Let's go back to the cookie jar for just a second. I want you to remember something about the cookie jar. All of the covers make noise, they all make noise. So here's what we got to think about. And here's my question to you God knows your heart. Do you? He knows. Do you? I cannot bear, guys. You say, I don't like today. You're not nearly as funny. But I cannot bear the thought someday of standing before God with blood on my hands and God saying, you had the responsibility and the opportunity to influence the lives of hundreds and thousands of people. And all you want to do is tell jokes. I'll tell jokes. God knows I'll tell jokes because he's a jokester too. He made me like this. But I believe that we're going to be responsible someday. I want to be able to stand before the Lord and say, you know what, God? There's a few times I made folks mad. Some folks left and never came back. But I did everything I could to tell people the truth. I don't have no impure motives. If I had impure motives, I'd be trying to tell you everything you want to hear so you'd give me some money. I don't stand to gain a dime one way or another from a capital campaign or from a day like today. Don't make a bit of difference. I don't get a raise. All I'm here to do is tell you the truth because I want us all to get to heaven. And I believe that any time we get together, this is a word we need to hear from time to time because we're going to have people in our midst at various stages in their walk with Christ. Someone's been walking with God a long time. They know this. They just need to be reminded. But others that are younger in the Lord, they've never heard this kind of teaching. They are living in some of this sin and they're trying to serve God and they can't. They're they're coming to church and they don't understand why things aren't working out. They can't understand why it's not turning around. And it's because. The condition of your heart. Once you get your heart right. Then everything else will fall into place. So examine your heart today with the Holy Spirit's help. What what is God bringing to your mind? If if, if every person in this room, I, this this is a conclusion. So you can relax; we're about done. But I want you to stop for a second, and I want you to say, "Okay, I'm not going to think about nobody else. I'm thinking about me right now." Regardless of how long I've been serving God, is there something in my heart that needs to be swept out? Are you clinging to something that's hindering your walk with God? Are you being convicted of anything right now? Can you think of anything that you're being convicted of? Now, I want you to understand something before I finish this up. No one here is being judgmental because everybody in this room has to deal with their own convictions. And we've all got them. Nobody here is trying to pass judgment on anybody. And you need to understand something else. That there is nothing you can do aside from getting your heart right that's going to get you to heaven. You don't have to join our church. You don't have to be a member of this church to go to heaven. Did you know that? You don't need to join the church to go to heaven. You don't have to shake my hand. You don't have to get baptized in our tank. None of that matters. But you do have to have your heart right with God to go to heaven. And you can't just pray a prayer... And think that covered it. No matter what that prayer was. You've got to be truly sorry. You've got to pray sincerely. You've got to surrender 100%. To God. In order. To be saved. And once you do that. The grace of God. Will keep you. And protect you. And encourage you. And empower you. And point you in the right direction. I'm going to tell you something. When people truly get saved. I mean when they truly do these things. I'm talking about this morning. Then I believe it's really hard. For them to miss heaven. Because you're going to have to go over. Jesus dead body to get to hell. If you belong to God, he is, he's scripture said, there's no man, no thing, no devil, no none going to take you out of my hand. He said, You sound like you're preaching eternal security now, Pastor. I'm telling you, people that really get saved are as eternally secure as they want to be. No one or nothing will ever move them. They'll choose. They'll make their own choices. They make their own choices. It's up to them. But I'm telling you that no one will ever be able to remove you. So if you don't like the way things are going in your life, then you look at the condition of your heart because that's what God's looking at. He doesn't care about how many times you make it here in a month on a Sunday. That doesn't matter to him. He's not going to he's not going to judge you when you get to heaven based on how many times you were in church on Sunday every month. Or how many small groups you are a part of. Or how many, even how many day, how many scriptures. Some people think they're earning their way to heaven by reading a certain amount of Bible of the day. And praying a certain amount of time. I'm telling you, you could pray for an hour and a half every day. If your heart's not right with God, it don't get you no closer to heaven. You can read the whole, you can read 16 chapters of the Bible a day. If your heart's not right with God, it don't make any difference. Because you won't get anything out of it. It all boils down to a really simple thing. It's so nonjudgmental. It's so simple. It's so easy. It boils down to one little simple thing. Get your heart right with God. He'll take care of all the sin. He'll tell you about the sin. Nobody will have to tell you. He'll, He'll tell you. He'll convict you. When you get your heart right with him, he'll tell you what you need to get rid of, what you need to do, who you need to listen to, where you need to go. He knows all that. But you don't have access to it until your heart is right. So I'm saying this right now. I'm not saying this to a bunch of hard, cold-hearted people that I think are habitually and rebelliously living in sin just because they're, I'll show you, God. I'll show you. I don't think that's what I'm talking to. I'm talking to people here, broken, young, old, however you are. It doesn't make any difference. But wherever you're at in that cycle of your life, that in your heart, you really want God. You want to you be more like Jesus. But this morning, something happened in you. You don't like the way you feel. Wow, I don't like that dagger in my heart. You don't like Jesus? You don't like that thing I'm doing? You don't think that looks good, that thing that I'm doing? God, i got to get rid of that. God is looking for people that will truly surrender their hearts to him and mean it. And that's all it takes, Al. That's it. Truly repent, sincerely pray, surrender 100%. You're in like Flynn. That's it. After that we'll baptize you, we'll give you communion cuz that's what you're supposed to do and we'll pray the holy spirit will fill you and baptize you so you have power to overcome but I mean you're in. But nothing else is going to get you in. 50 years of membership here is not going to get you in. Teaching Sunday school is not going to get you in. Your heart has to be right with God. I want to pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I have to ask myself what is in my heart. Lord, I have to ask myself that every day. Sometimes what's in my head don't match. Sometimes words that I think or say and thoughts I have and even deeds I do, they don't match. And Lord, I'm so thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Comes along at that point and says, that wasn't right. And I repent. I'm thankful to have that opportunity to do that. But Lord, I know there are people in this room right now. They're struggling. They they haven't even really been able to put a finger on it. Why? Coming to church trying trying their best to do right but they, they just they have, they have things in their life according to your word that are not right and until they repent of those things and make those changes situations in their life can't change they just can't change, it's not that you don't love them but you can't save someone that won't acknowledge their need for it and so I'm asking you right now Lord all of us are trying to come clean All of us are trying to come clean because you want to do something awesome in this church. You're, you're trying to take a group of people, you're trying to reach a world with a group of people, and you got to get us ready and get us right. And so, Lord, we we nobody here's looking around to point at someone else and say, "Oh, I knew he was a sinner." Lord, we're all sitting here saying, "I got to look at me. I got to look at me because I want to be a part of this team that's going to reach the world, and I got to have my heart right." All across this room, God, would you turn this sanctuary into an altar of repentance? Would you help us today to have the courage to confess our sins, to truly mean it, to pray sincerely, to surrender 100%. Lord, some of us have got to make some tough decisions right now because it means the way we're living has to change. We have to make some really strong, hard decisions that could cost us money. It could cost us time. It could cost us a relationship. But we got to make some really tough decisions. we got to get our heart right with you. Would you give us the courage right now, Lord, to respond to that? The courage to stand to our feet, to walk to an altar, kneel down and say, oh God, here I am. And I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. If that's you, I want you to have the courage to stand to your feet. You don't just stand. But when you stand, just come on. Just keep coming. As you stand, just start walking. Just, just get on your feet and start walking. You say, well, who's going to pray with me? Nobody. I mean, I'll, we'll get somebody there if you need them, but I'm telling you right now, you coming down here, you don't need somebody speaking into your ear. You need to come down and get on your knees and you just need to tell Jesus. There's a bunch more of us. It's open. The altar's open. Can you do it? Can you do it? God, you know my heart. You know my heart and I want my heart to be right with you. Would you forgive me? I'm truly sorry. I'm truly sorry I truly repent I truly repent God I'm sincere in my prayer God I'm coming to you out of my heart I'm going to tell you how I really feel and thank God I'm telling you out of my heart and I'm surrendering to you 100% Now, folks this can be any number of things could have something you could have something in your heart that 's not pleasing to God it doesn 't have to be that you're on drugs it doesn't have to be that you're abusing your spouse it this could be a lot of things this could be you have a problem with pride you have problem with gossip you i mean there's an, any number whatever any number of things whatever the Holy Spirit is convicting you of right now whatever. Whatever he's bringing to your mind, the reason he's doing that is because he's wanting to give you an opportunity to cleanse that from your heart. This is a sacred moment. It's a quiet, sacred moment. We're all praying. But I know in my spirit, I know that there's so many more of you that are wanting to be here right now. And you're supposed to be. And the Holy Spirit's convicting you. I'm telling you guys something. This is the first step. If you, if you want to be involved in the church, if you want to do, if you want to do something for God, I'm telling you, first step, you can't go any further than the first step is I've got to make sure my heart is right with God because you, you, you can't do anything else. There's no reason to join the church. There's no reason to get baptized. There's no reason to do anything. Start working. There's no reason to do any of that until your heart is right with God. And all you have to do is surrender this morning. Surrender to that. Are you content? Are you content to stay? Are you rebellious? Are you, are you angry? You're saying, I'll show him I'm hanging on to my sin. I'm not going to change. That's your decision, but I'm telling you, that in itself reflects a condition of your heart that God can't use if that heart isn't broken and contrite if you can't even acknowledge your sin there's no grace there's no covering don't be afraid of the person next to you, around you, somebody that you think is going to look upon you negatively for moving hey listen I'm not going to let anybody keep me from heaven, I'm not going to hell for nobody Neither are you. Are you strong enough today? Are you strong enough to get up and say, I acknowledge I acknowledge this thing in my life and I don't want it there anymore. I know this isn't right before God and I've got to get rid of this sin. I just keep going because I know you're here. I know you're here and I've, I have to do this because I don't know. I'm not trying to manipulate you, but I don't know what's going to happen to you tonight or tomorrow. I don't know. I only know that I'm going to give an account for you, so I'm going to keep on. There's a couple of men here right now who you really want to do right, you want to do well. All of this is new to you. And you're just afraid. I mean, that's the bottom line is you're like, man, I, I'm just, you know, I, I don't know what what's going on down there. But you really want to respond. I know I even I even have a feeling in my spirit about a couple of you who you are and I'm not going to come and get you. I'm not going to look at you or anything, but <clears throat> but you know who you are. And you're so tired of being miserable and living with, you, you know, you know, that you're supposed to you're supposed to. You're supposed to come down and get this right with God. The whole family's looking to you to do it. We're praying for you because we want you to come. It's going to make the world a difference in your life and in the life of the people around you that you love, that are close to you. God, would you give them the courage? Give them the strength. Lord, right now, all that's holding them back is their legs. Would you help them with it? I pray, Holy Spirit, give them the strength to stand to their feet. Give them the strength to stand to their feet. Once they stand, it'll be a lot easier. They'll start walking. They're tired, Lord, of the sin. They're tired of holding on to. They're ready, Lord, to surrender. They're ready to walk with you. Don't get me wrong. It'll cost you it'll cost you the greatest thing in the world to live for Christ and once your life is right with God and after a certain amount of time things get in order it's the most secure and best way to live but I'm telling you when you're living in sin and and you come to Christ initially that will cost you sometimes that'll cost you sometimes it means you can't cheat no more you can't lie no more you can't make money the way you made money you can't you can't save the way you were I mean it it, it costs you but you learn and you learn the blessings of God some people are are motivated right now they're afraid they're afraid to to make this commitment because of what it's going to cost let me tell you something if you don't make this commitment it'll cost you a whole lot more church would you pray with me I I just I I usually just let it go but I can't today I can't today because I, I just know we're at a crossroads right now with a couple of people Normally I would say, okay, I understand, we sow the seed, we water, and eventually Christ brings it to fruition. I understand all that, but today I just, I can't let it go. I can't let it go. Fellas come and pray with this Gentleman right now Takes a lot of courage Holy Spirit isn't finished yet though that you're feeling isn't judgment, it's, it's love. The Holy Spirit loves you so much that he just he's just pleading with your soul. I can't promise you I you might, but I can't promise you that you'll ever feel this conviction like this again. I can't promise it. you might. All I know is that this is your moment, this is your time right now. People are praying all over for you. People are interceding and people are crying to God. Oh God, convict. Convict in love. Convict.